Welcome to this episode of the Heartbeat for Hire podcast. I feature Olympians, CEOs, disruptors, authors, professional athletes, and the best of the best, where they share their stories of resilience with my lens on leadership and culture. Let's get started. Greetings and welcome to this episode of Heartbeat for Hire. I am so delighted to bring our guest to you today. Meredith Scotland is a familiar but not famous, arguable, film and television actress with an IMDb list a mile long. You may recognize her as Enid Wexler, the lesbian against drunk driving and legally blonde, the credit vixen and a night at the Roxbury, or from any one of the many other movies or small independent ones she's produced and even directed, and countless television shows, too many to mention here. As founder and CEO of Right Brain World, where her mission is to foster self-esteem in young people and a renewed sense of inspiration in the educators who support them by offering innovative curricula and resources that help youth of all ages discover and develop their own ideas while engaging in joyful and meaningful literacy building experiences that increase their capacity to connect while giving them voice and choice in their learning. She's a social entrepreneur and sometimes more of a curly executive officer than a chief one, which makes for good conversation. So welcome to the show, Meredith. Wow, that's a good bio. Who wrote that? That was amazing. And it was so, so dense and fun filled. And now I know your story, but for those in my audience that haven't (laughs) followed you and don't know about you, would you please share a little of your background? Yes. Yes. And specific can I specific to Hollywood moving into right brain yes yes all of it um okay the shortest way to tell the story is that I was I was a very intelligent very curious vivacious leader as a young child in school I was you know I grew up on Swanson TV dinners and Kraft mac and cheese and McRibs and a lot of crap that in the 70s in Brooklyn and Queens was, you know, lunch, dinner. I had a working mom. I got, I was a latchkey kid, came home from school. Nothing was better than that Salisbury steak, Swanson TV dinner with the little brownie and the tater tots. And, and I, I was hyper, I think largely, largely because of how I, you know, soda and garbage food, which you know, no one was abusing me. We didn't know. That was like Chef Boyardee was the thing. And then the other part was this constant need to create and express, create, express, create, express. And it it, it so inspired me 24-7 that it gave me a lot of energy. And I'm still that way. I mean, I'm a lot, I eat very well and have for a few decades. So I'm a lot more grounded. But uh The point is, I was a very good student. I had very good grades. I did well on tests. And then the SAT came along, you know, the big state test. Oh, yes. And we were in a room. I was at the High School of Performing Arts. I saw Fame, the movie, when I was 10 or 11. And my mother and I, I'll never forget, we're in the theater. She was on my left. And I was like 10 or 11. And I said, Mommy, I want to go to that school. Mm -hmm. She, She said, okay. Okay, honey. And she went like that. Yeah. And that was it. I spent the next few years of my life trying to memorize monologues and get ready for the audition. And and I got into the high school performing arts, auditioned in the fame school, but went to the new school. Yeah. And half the day was academics, half the day was creative expression, which is a brilliant thing. And it was free. You know, it was like, I think they said at the time it was a $2 million arts education conservatory wow it was really something you know jen aniston was in the was a friend in a year above and the name like the people who came out of just my class and the class before us was very exciting and then that sat came and i was in those stanley kaplan courses and i found a lot of it bias racist it was, it was strange, this test, you know? And I knew somehow at 16, something's wrong with this test. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to take it. Back then you had to. This was a non-negotiable part of your, your career in school. And I, as I had a 98 average Lindsay in trigonometry. Oh. I couldn't pass. I didn't get 500 mm-hmm. on the math portion. I, didn't, I could not pass 980 on the entire SAT. Mm-hmm. 
So I got into a lot of schools for college for my arts and my test scores that I didn't really want to go to. And the one school, this is so good. I forget this part of the story. The one school I wanted to go to was Sarah Lawrence College because it was close to Manhattan, but gorgeous, like, like upstate, you know, but it was a 40 minute ride on the train to New York and so beautiful. And it's a writing school. It's mm -hmm. like a school. I thought I was a pretty good writer. Like I thought I had good stuff to say. And I thought, oh, I could say it on paper. And I thought I'll take over the theater. I'll be a writing major person. Um, and I was one of two people, apparently, that the admin at a two-hour in-person meeting. And the guy called, and I thought, I nailed it. It was like as good as it was. I'd never auditioned yet. Yeah. This was the best meeting for sure of my life. It, you know what I mean? To date, probably. And I thought, oh, my God, I'm going to go to Sarah Lawrence. I always wanted to go there. And this guy called and he said, Meredith, I am so sorry. I don't know how to tell you this, but we're a very small school. And at the end of the day, your SAT scores are just too low. Took it oh. twice. Took it twice. And I said, on the, you know, the regular phone with the right, right, right. wall, I said, you're telling me that the, the measure of who I am as a whole human is going to boil down to my SAT score. What about this? What about that? Yeah. What about the fact that I have a 98 average in all my, I have incredible scores on the, on the test scores from the state. Why does the SAT matter so much? I'm really sorry. There has to be a differentiate, blah, blah, blah. And I decided, you know what? I'm not going to go. I'm not going to college. I'm going to go. I'm going to go out to Hollywood. I'm going to start working. Then I, I started working then I took two months off when I was 20, traveled all over Europe and Greece with my best friend, read the Herald Tribune, Tribune everywhere, had conversations. Then I was 24. We did a fundraiser to raise money to make build a school in Africa as a sister school to a culture center here in South Central. I learned, I learned, I, I learned from people. I learned from traveling. I learned from doing, traveling, by the way, on like 10 bucks a day. Yeah, that is the best. best education. The best. And all my friends went to college and I felt I felt less than at some sure. point on the college front, but more because, you know, I'd, I'd be I'd be dating someone who was like a brain. And I thought, oh, you know, I, I don't have a college education. I'm not quite enough. And someone I was with said to me once, I said, is it OK that I don't have you know, I didn't go to college. And she said, because I'm gay, she said, you know what you know how to do that they can't teach in college? And I said, what? She said, love. Oh. Yeah. And that day, that day, that day, I thought. You stopped sweating it. Good. I thought, you know what? She's so right. Like, that's all that matters. And she had a, she was going for her master's degree. Mm -hmm. Didn't trust love, didn't know how to receive it. I'd much rather trust love, know how to love, receive love, give love, build love, than have my college education. It's really- well, I, okay. I think to your point of, you know, you, not everyone should be measured by the same yardsticks. And really? I think nowadays we see a lot more kids not going to college. They might go to trade school. They might be an entrepreneur. They might be, I, yep. I interviewed a guy who was a CEO at age 15. I mean- It's not the only path. It, it no longer determines your value or your worth. And you just learned it really early. Um, I learned it early and it, it did not deplete my self-esteem that I didn't go. Mm -hmm. One, I had parents who were fine with it. You know, I wasn't made to feel less than. Good. I also had a sister- who went to like BU, then worked in the world in a big way, then went to Haas Berkeley, Berkeley Haas School of Business for graduate. Yeah. Like she was kind of an academic rock star who ended up with big jobs and big responsibility. Um, and so she was kind of taking care of that sure. and husband and babies. So I got to be, Yourself. I got to be, 
I got to be myself. I got to pursue my career as an actress. I got to produce. I got to direct. I got to do whatever I wanted creatively. Yeah. Made a lot of money. Didn't make money. Made money. Didn't make money. Yeah. Things like that. Yeah. And and as far as the re- that other part of me goes, really, to have a sister who was kind of on the path that every parent would want for their kid, you know, mm-hmm. She kind of took care of that. And I, I went the other way. And so take me to write brain books. How did we go I, from Hollywood to that? So, well, it's a great segue because my sister had my first niece, her first child, Lila, mm-hmm. Giselle. And Lila was born. And, a, and I had at the time, I had a sizzle reel production company mm-hmm. because there came a point where the, the white... Jewish or Italian uh, sidekick to the to the pretty girl, the the character actress who looks like me. Yep, became you know obsolete for a minute, which was great. I'm a I'm a progressive human, and there was a time when uh, black and brown and you know actresses had a chance to work much more than they ever had in a more broad way, and I was in all full excitement and support about all of that. And my career took a a hit, but that's okay. It doesn't matter because every single thing is always, it's always laying out the way for the next thing, the way it's meant to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really, if you don't, if you have faith in God or the universe working out for you, great. If you have real trust that the bottom of one hill is, you know, the top of one hill is the bottom of the next and all that stuff that a door closing is a door opening. Mm-hmm. You can be an entrepreneur. Do you know what I mean? Like you can, if you're crazy enough to trust mm-hmm. that the worst, the worst fucking days, the worst days are breathing life. You don't even know about into the best yeah. days. Do you know? So anyway, I had a sizzle reel production company, like, I think I might have made the very first sizzle reel. It didn't even have a name at the time. Yeah. In 2006, I wanted to make a TV show with this with this guy. It was a um, makeover kind of show with a brilliant, brilliant, uh, a brilliant idea behind it. And I knew we couldn't sell it just by pitching it. It was it would seem too gimmicky. So we shot it. We just shot it. And he paid for some and I got favors and people worked for free. And from this seven minute little, look what it could be. Uh, And a network bought an entire season of it, right? And then they said to me, you know, we're going to start asking people to do these little videos. Nice. This is a long time ago. And I'm telling you, I swear to you, it's not that other people hadn't been doing it. It's just that no one knew yet. So then I started a company and all these companies were hiring me to make theirs. But here's what would happen because my spirit is creative and entrepreneurial. Lindsay might say to me, I haven't, Oh, someone would say, we have this woman, her name's Lindsay Dowd. She's very cool. Figure out the show, shoot her in her world, make a sizzle reel for her. We want to try to sell it. So then I'd meet with you. I would figure out the show. I would come up with every element of it, shoot it, direct it, produce it, with, I mean, a camera person and an editor, then they would go sell it or not sell it. And I was out of the process. Mm -hmm. And I started doing, creating these for myself, setting them up at studios, you know, and I realized I'm just, I'm just better. The only time I really want to be working for someone else Mm -hmm. um, is if I'm acting, you know, if I'm acting or directing something or otherwise I'm really so fired up with, with ideas. And I love collaboration. I love other people's ideas. I love when someone makes my ideas better. Attention visionary leaders. Are you ready to elevate your leadership style and create an exceptional workplace that stands out from the crowd? I'm here to introduce you to a game-changing resource that will transform the way you lead and shape your company culture. It's time to embrace the power of top-down culture. This practical guide empowers your leadership for lasting success, helping you create a workplace where everyone thrives. 
get top-down culture today, and let's reshape the future of leadership together. But I'm really not great, honestly. And I was a crappy, I loved waiting tables, Mm -hmm. but I don't think I kept a a waitressing job for more than a couple months ever. I only needed a waitressing job a few times in my life, but I always felt like I knew, I knew I could run the restaurant better than the owner. Yeah. You know, which as a woman, as a woman from (laughs) New York, (laughs) it's like not great unless you can somehow do it quietly and I'm not, I've learned a lot. You're not that quiet. I'm not that quiet, (laughs) but I'll tell you, I've learned how important is it? Do you have to say this out loud right now? I've really gotten quite much better at it. Is a filter needed? (laughs) But my, my, I'm like a, I'm a triple, I'm like a, my son's in Pisces. Let's say, let's pretend we believe in this, right? Yeah. My son's in Pisces, my Mercury's in Pisces, my Venus is in Pisces, right? And I had some cuckoo who did my chart once tell me you who did not know me you are naturally aspected I was 26 years old I'm 53 now you are naturally aspected to think feel and speak at the same time and I was like like my entire life came into focus yes but it's still that way you know how you you know how you are I mean I have journals from when I was 10 yeah. 11, 12, I am exactly the same. I'm just a, a more adult, groovier version, but I think and feel, speak at the same time, which at a conference with educators and all that is very wonderful and it works for me, right? So anyway, my I had this company and I wasn't, a, I was only a really good creative and I had produced independent movies, but I was never... I, I was never a brilliant businesswoman in that I should have sold my sizzle reel production company. I had a million clients, but right brain happened in my head on a weekend when the sizzle reel company was at, at its, at its best. Mm-hmm. And all I did was shift to right brain because it was so much more brilliant and important. Mm-hmm. And I should have sold sizzle reel company, but I didn't know how to do it. So but what I, is right brain? I was my sister. I went to visit my sister again, something closes, something opens, went to visit my sister on a weekend. My niece was 10 or 11 months old, 11 months old. And my sister said, will you read Lila a book while I take a shower? And I was sitting in this weird breastfeeding chair, not breastfeeding my niece, but sitting with her. And my, would that be so bizarre if I was like sitting yeah. in a chair and the bookshelf was right there across the room, hundreds of books. Cause that's what my sister asked for at the baby shower. And I could not, I couldn't get up. There was no way to get up. So I looked on the radiator next to me and I saw this book, this actual book, sure. this is a little sticker. Eric Carl. Yeah. And my mother had taken this book out from her community library mm-hmm. and brought it to my sister. So it was sitting on the radiator, this copy, right like this. And I was like, oh, thank God. And I I didn't know Eric Carl at the time. I, I was, I don't have children and my niece was not even a year old. So I pick it up. I'm like, Lila, do you want to be my friend? That's what it says. So I open it, no words, no words, no words. And I was like, come on. Like, I couldn't, I just wanted to read her a damn story. So then I was like, I started really like richly describing what the characters looked like and the colors and what I made up scripts and what they were saying to each other. And I had different voices and Lila's like, uh, she, you know, it was more to keep myself entertained. Do you know what I mean? And then I swear to you, Lindsay, I get here. And I go here and I said something and I said, wow, it was such a good story. So my sister got out of the shower. I said, Marcy, are there children's books that have no words, but have lines on the pages and anyone could interpret the images through the lens of their own experience Mm -hmm. and write the story, which is only delightful because children's books are not like, you know, Halloween, it's not psycho. No. So 
she said, what do I know? I'm just trying to keep my kid alive. You know, she was her brand new baby. <laughs> and I swear to you, Lindsay, I grabbed Lila. I did practically a three pointer into the crib. <laughs> I ran to my computer. I'm like, children, no, I ran to the library. I ran to the bookstores. I, I went all over the place in San Francisco and then in Berkeley. And I didn't see it anywhere. There are children's books with no words. Mm -hmm. Also, I didn't have, I didn't go to college. I don't know anything about education. However, I knew what worked for me as a student. I saw what worked for my friends. I knew. And you were a writer. And I was a writer and I'm smart and knew the more we, our kids were spending time. This is 10 years ago. This is 11, 11 years ago. The more my, the kids are spending time on, I, I was smart enough to know what we all knew about what was happening to kids' brains mm -hmm. on devices that were getting smaller, smaller. Yeah. My first Mac was like, and then, right. And so I knew enough without reading and I didn't know anything, but I knew if you could go to like, you could, you know, Mad Libs, people love Mad Libs. Yeah, of course. What if, what if instead of filling in just a word here and you there? The whole thing. Right. So that very same weekend, Lindsay, this is that, you know how they say what makes someone a really good CEO? Because I have met, there are so many ways in which I am an excellent CEO and so many where I am just uh, the worst, I right? I think we all have a lot. <laughs> but that ability to, I hate, I don't want to say the word pivot, but the ability to shift and move to the new, better idea approach way is is a real is a real talent. A yeah, real, well, you're you're best. comfortable with change, and in order to be a good leader, you have to be comfortable with change, and not just comfortable with it, but willing to recognize the people around you might have a better idea. And okay. when you see that idea and you can embrace it, that's when the magic can happen. So you've got yes. to be open, which is really so. Cool. In this way, I shifted from sizzle making that very same weekend. I reached out to the editor. We were partners in this company. I mean, I owned it, but we were partners in this company. And she said, I've made a decision about something I need to tell you. I said, what? She said, I'm going to move to Austin. Mm. I want to develop apps. I don't want to do, I don't want to do, I don't want to edit anymore. Literally the weekend I read her the book, like either I found a it new all editor. all changed, yeah. In 48 hours, I was off sizzles and into this. What I thought was, I will create a book. Here's an example of one right brain book. And by the way, now, 11 years later, 10 years later, we have 35 programs. We're in 50 states. I, I, don't, I don't know how it happened. But here is an illustrated children's book. Mm -hmm. No words. It has lines on the pages, yep. right? You see? Yep. And then I thought, good, you'll just take it off a rack in a toy store or a bookstore and you write the story. And so I went, I came home, I had an intern working for me as a producer, right? So she was a 22 year old. I come back, I'm like, I had this really good idea. Her name is Francesca Parisi. She's brilliant. And she said, oh, I tell her the idea. She goes, oh, you know, I'm an artist. I'm an artist. I'm a painter and an illustrator. I said, oh, that's nice. That's cute. You know, <laughs> but she was like prodigy, crazy. She could oil paint you and it would look like a photograph. Oh She's a ridiculous artist. So for six months, I just brain dumped. And I said, if I write and if I just brain dump and write stuff out, can you make it look pretty in one of those PowerPoint things people do? Because I am not a PowerPointer. Yeah. And she did. Over six months, we made a deck. I can show it to you. It's pretty crazy. But I didn't know what I was doing. I just knew it's like anything. When you produce a little movie, you're the CEO of the movie. Mm -hmm. If you make a little sizzle reel, you're the CEO of the sizzle reel. So let's let's fast forward a little bit because you have yeah. this Evaldi sign behind you. And I know that story is okay. really, really powerful. But I want you to tell how they came across Right Brain and your involvement with them because I think it would help people understand. You what can't ask for. me for you can't ask me for an origin story because there's too many there are too many <laughs> fun parts. But just know that I I thought instead of just being in stores and trying to reach parents, which I don't know how to do. I'm not a marketing expert yeah. or a business major. What if 
what if this experience could somehow be a fun literacy program, program sure. that would get kids writing because writing is, you know, it's all become, it's a lost art and it has been for the last decade. Yeah. So what if, what if there was a curriculum in the art of children's book authoring, but somehow it was academic enough that teachers would really dig it, yeah. but kids wouldn't know it's academic. So we could sort of cheat and kind of get them to do stuff they wouldn't normally do, mm-hmm. but because these are the pictures, they would do it, right? And then I, like all these beautiful things fell into place and and I spent a couple years raising money, which I knew how to do from fundraising for uh, nonprofits where I wanted to help an orphanage or, so I, I did it the same way I would raise money for an independent movie. It took a while because to these people, I was an actress. So I worked my ass off to show and prove. And I made a business plan. And it was really something to put all that work in, having not had, a, and I'll tell you something, everything, all the business people, all my friends who had business school, everything they told me not to do at the beginning, I did. Mm-hmm. And, it, and I was right. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, don't, well, don't you, take you followed, you followed your gut. And I think when there's often a template that you're supposed to follow, it takes away some of that instinct and it takes away some of that organic kind of flow. And you're putting round pegs and square holes and you're trying to make it fit and look pretty. And Love it's that. not, it's not really you. It's, it's yeah. a process you're trying to subscribe to and that's hard. Also the same way a director on a movie doesn't know how to light the scene or rig the sound, I knew, oh, I, I need to find the an educator to help me figure Development. out what it is. Sure. Yeah, sure. I knew how to hire people smarter than me at certain things. That I knew how to do. So anyway, here we are. And by the way, after students go through this experience, and there are many ways to do it, there's many iterations of the process, right? They're published. So we published, we are the only we published children's books written by children. And this is what it looks like. Oh, that's so, so cool. Every word on every page, but here's the best part. Their photo and bio, this was written by a group of middle schoolers. Oh. Teach Academy Charter School uh, of Technologies in South Central Los Angeles. So about, and I put my energy where it matters to me. So in 50 states, 80, 85% of kids who do right brain are underserved, sure. underperforming, black, brown, uh, poor, white. And then 80% of those kids are English learners. Mm. And I didn't know anything about that, but I'll tell you, everyone needs the same level of scaffolding when it comes to learning how to write well, so we you, up- you hit on something so fundamental, which is our kids can't write anymore. Can't they write. can they can text with no punctuation. They can abbreviate entire sentences that you'll understand. <laughs> like, I mean, but they really are not all of them can write, and unless you're comfortable writing, which many so kids have, are not. Are yeah, but writing is so important for business. It's so important for communication. It's it's how you represent yourself. I mean, you've got to write your resume. You've got to you've got to communicate on platforms like LinkedIn, which you and I love. Um, <laughs> You're gonna teach me how to do it. Yeah, and let me say because we're women, not to be a girl about it, but believe it or not, and you'll believe it. There's something that is wrong in a world where, like boys and girls, high school, they're not, high schoolers aren't writing love notes to each other. Mm -hmm. Like I have a box this big in my closet of notes past school, like fifth grade, you know, Mark looks so cute today. You and I are close in age. And I will tell you like the letters you used to write to your camp friends. And that was the only way you could communicate. So let me tell you, those are precious. I went to train educators after school educators, a 
big part of what we do. Yeah. Like for years, we stayed focused on after school education because we wanted to learn from students and we wanted to learn from the hours of the day where the kids are not in fear, meaning mm -hmm. in after school, they're just there to show up, they fully be themselves. Mm -hmm. There's no testing. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the, and they need to be there from three to six. They can't go home right. for any number of reasons. And we are one of the first companies, if not the first in literacy, mm -hmm. we are the company in after school education in America mm -hmm. with project-based literacy curriculum disguised to be so easy for mm -hmm. anyone to facilitate and instruct, for anyone to learn. Mm -hmm. And I'm really proud of that. Like, I don't As you should be. That's brilliant. And I'm so glad school focus there. So, all right, let's go back to Uvalde because, oh, you know, Uvalde. yeah, I mean, you, so, you've done some pretty incredible stuff with them. Well, we've, we've launched, we launched uh, with our very first program in 2014, like in spring. And everyone said, no one's going to buy this stuff, this curriculum, these programs, these beautiful resources. I mean, our stuff is gorgeous high quality books and cards. We have a lot of stuff that is not, you know, story cards that are colorful, delightful, mm -hmm. fun images of all sorts of characters and animals. So it doesn't matter. I have adult ed programs, whether you're seven, 17 or 47, what does each character think? What does each character feel? What is the difference between feeling and thinking, mm -hmm. you know? How, what, what are their relationships to each other? This feels, this feels so easy yeah. to a middle schooler who doesn't think he can write mm -hmm. that they think they're getting one over on the teacher. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And we're in a lot of schools now after school informed our in-school curriculum in that in-school curriculum is normally, I'm getting to Uvalde because they're after school in school. The curriculum is is core to the test that's coming at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. And it's standards aligned and that's great. So are we, but it, 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 there is no creative, very, very little, if any, there's no test in creative writing, that's for sure. And a child's bottom up creativity, what comes from them at some point is less important than the top down Oh, well, it's, I'm going to teach you structure. I'm going to teach you the format. I'm going to teach you, you know, proper grammar, proper way to architect uh, an essay, a book, whatever it is. Exactly. They're not encouraging the creativity. They want you to be creative, but within the constraints of yeah. those rules. Yeah. And what yeah. we do is don't tell me, don't tell, we'll say, don't tell your student. I don't care how you spell, how you spell it. I don't care about your spelling. I don't care about your grammar. Yeah. We can deal with that later. Just get your ideas out on paper, right. write legibly. So we all know what you mean. Yeah. Don't worry about the other stuff. Then because they've stood up and they've they read, yeah. yes. And then they know this is coming. Mm -hmm. They're like, you know, I've seen high schoolers. We have high school videos. We have 35 videos on the website, mm -hmm. K through 12. I've seen high schoolers. English learner high schoolers in Miami Dade, black and brown high schoolers in the Bronx, New York, like, you know, like, yo, teach, will you, can you help me with my spelling? Cause it's going to be published. You know, like that's, that's amazing. And when you write for a child, I'm eight, what does it mean that I get to write a story? Yeah. For someone younger than me, mm -hmm. I'm 18. What's my responsibility in creating and writing a story? Well, and think about Think about the confidence that kid yes. has. They are a published author. And to put that on your resume, name. I mean, it's such an amazing thing to talk about for college. It's Look at his picture. Cool. I love it. Look at his picture and bio. So cute. So that's, you just hit on it because the, I, the one thing I have, I don't have confidence that I have hair like Jen Aniston's. I don't have confidence <laughs> that I have, you know, uh, big boobs and a, and, a, and a soft energy, but I have a lot of confidence in, in uh, 
how to express my ideas. I have a lot of confidence in my capacity to raise the, the vibration in a room. Yeah. I have self-esteem where it matters, you know, maybe, you know, where it matters. So everything we do is about increasing academic confidence because in tandem with personal confidence, because when you have personal confidence and academic confidence, whichever comes first, then you have self-esteem. And if you, if you have self-esteem, you'll show up for the test a little bit more deserving of your own focus and your, so you might actually do better. And if you don't do well on the test, you're still going to be okay. But if you like yourself and know your value beyond your academic score, Mm -hmm. am I a good communicator? Do I care about people? Am I compassionate? Am I curious about things? Am I, there are so many things kids don't know about themselves Mm -hmm. because we're all so focused on, on, on grades. And yeah, sure. I get it. You have to weed. I understand we have to know where they are. We have to measure so we could support them more. Right. Yeah. But the standardized tests not- are becoming less relevant. And I think a lot of colleges now are saying, you know, SATs are optional. You can choose whether you do the ACT or the SAT and some kids are doing neither. Um, so it's, it's interesting. Did you see Legally Blonde? Yes, of course. She got in to Harvard Law School with, I mean, it's funny. It was a comedy. It's a joke. But you know what? She made this video. Yep. Is completely expressive of who she was. That's right. And sure, for for the comedy in the movie, she got in. Yeah. But look, like, it's a lot more serious than the movie made it out to be. Yeah. She had everything in her that she would have needed to be the badass mm-hmm. woman who figured it all out. Mm-hmm. And you would never know it from looking at her or listening to her. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of genius. And not until this moment have I ever connected the Legally Blonde story. It's a to- sizzle reel. I mean, all of your worlds just collided in that moment. It's a sizzle reel created by Elwoods, used to get into college. When I speak, when I'm asked to speak at a conference, I wait till the end to because all these educators are looking at me. They're like, uh-huh, yeah. Whoop. And then I say, and I didn't go to, I didn't have an, that doesn't mean a college education is not an awesome path, yeah. but college or career or community like yourself yeah. and whichever way you go, you're okay. Yeah. Be of service in the world. Do something that matters to you, whether it's, for your family, for your, like, that's all that matters. When you can live a life that you are in a position to cons- consistently give back, it makes you feel better. When you live in that space of gratitude, you, it changes your mindset. And it, <laughs> I know for me, anytime I'm like really feeling heavy and down, as soon as I'm doing something for someone else, I snap of right course. out of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. When I got busy, I got better. And if you get busy, if you get busy holding space for someone else's elevated life experience, yours elevates. So we have all this curriculum, all of these programs in school, robust curriculum for teachers, after school programs and curriculum for teachers and non-teachers. We have a lot of stuff. And the woman who oversees extended learning in Uvalde, Texas, and we're all over the place. But Uvalde, that moment, you know, before in February of that year, February of last year, I met a woman at a conference. She came over to me. She said, I don't know what it is, but I feel like I've known you a long time. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I'm I'm an actress and I'm familiar. So you probably just saw me and stuff. I'm just yeah. not famous. She said, no, no, that's not it. It's a, it's a soul thing. Oh. I don't know what it is. And I said, awesome. And I told her about right brain, never saw her again. Like that was that. Then eight months later, where I'm at a conference, woman comes up to me in the booth. Do you remember me? I said, well, we met at the conference in New York in February. Oh, I'm so sorry. I meet so many people. Can you remind me? So she reminded me of who she was. Yeah. 
She said, I oversee all of the after school students. There are 5,000 kids in Uvalde. I oversee, I oversee a thousand of them mm-hmm. in the extended day programs. And our, and I, I hugged her and all these people were in the booth. And I said to every, cause it had just happened two mm-hmm. weeks prior. And she came to this conference in Texas. Oh my God. So this huge bunch of people circled this woman. I mean, it was fresh. She yeah. cried because in that role, you're just, you're fixing things. You don't have time to break it down or break down. So we held her and then people dispersed. And she looked at me and she said, whatever all this joy and color is, we need it. Yeah, amazing, right? Yeah. And we had already been all over the country in after school. So it's not that Uvalde is more important than other places, right? Like we're all over the place, Texas, California, all over. It's that Meredith, Meredith created and put into the world and gave up a lot. I gave up a lot to put something into the world that I knew, I knew would be sort of medicine for what is a very broken education system that makes humanity sick, frankly. they they adopted this as part of their program, right? They, bought, they got a lot. They adopted many of our programs and starting summer. So this happened May 24th, the tragedy, starting in mid-June. That's it. They've been doing Right Brain ever since. And we went and shot. We, we I went with my phone, frankly, yeah. and shot over the course of the year. So there's a video. Mm-hmm. I would give you the link if you like, and you can yeah, post yeah. it. We'll post it, yeah. Um, and it here's the cool thing. Uvalde went from a D district to a B district oh. in one year. And the woman who ran federal programs for Uvalde said, we know we owe a lot of that to right brain. So also other things and the entire community saying, we're not going to let. No, we're going to take care of our people. Yeah, we're going to we're going to take care of our people and everyone from the kids to the teachers, everyone raised the roof in Uvalde. But um, if one fifth of the kids were doing right brain, that would have a huge impact on the on the average. Absolutely. Absolutely. So anyway, so when I went the the last time I went, they had a big event um, at the Civic Center and the public memorial now library accepted a copy one copy of the kids books to donate to the public library and one of the teachers who makes jewelry made me a bracelet of um all the kids names who were lost you know Uh. and i love it i had a very deep connection to uvalde yeah like deep almost as if in some past life or something, I lived there. there. It was weird. Not just right brain and, oh, they got some stuff. No, it was your soul. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, thank you for sharing that story. It's just incredible. And um, it's so- It's like coming home. It's so moving, but I I love that story so much because it's such a powerful illustration for what kids can do when they understand how to write. And it's how to make connections to their own ideas, because as soon as they have nowadays, once it's quiet in their brain for a minute, they're uncomfortable. They're uncomfortable. They got to go to a device or something about it. And if they don't have that, they might express how they're feeling. And people are, so. if a kid in school has a, an emotional moment, often, often they're told they have a learning disability or someone yeah. thinks they have behavior. You have behavioral issues if you over-emote. That would make every menopausal woman, like, you know, an absolute- Well, then I've got big behavioral problems. You know okay. what I'm saying? No. We're, okay. we're running out of time. So I, no, I don't want to run out. Of time. I know. I know. It's so good. Um, I have to ask you a question. So what, I mean, we, all we've been talking about is this, but what inspires you? What inspires me? Wow. Um, what, what doesn't, <laughs> <laughs> what doesn't, you know why the, the most, I mean, most everything beautiful and brilliant inspires me, but also everything brutal and bad inspires me because you want to make it better yeah and i you can't there's 
now I know, and I'm, you know, we've all marched, we've been activists, we've done our work, but once you have some years, you know, mm-hmm. things don't, it takes too long for some things to change. And even if they change, they change back, right? Um, so rather than try to fix something, and by the way, I've learned this in my dating life now, you can't fix broken things, mm-hmm. but you can, you can, you can patch them, patch around it, and you can insert with innovation mm-hmm. and inspiration in ways that, you know, balance. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And you need all that contrast. All that contrast, this is very law of attraction. Contrast produces desire. Mm-hmm. So I see all of that brutal and bad, ugly stuff yeah. as 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 a justification well, for fuel creating for your fire. No, it's fuel for That's your fire. That's it. I love that. But if you um, get stuck in it, you can't make the beauty. You can't make beauty yeah. if you're stuck in the in the bad. You know, in, so in, the, in the brutal. So true. So my my second to last question that I always ask is, what would you like your legacy to be? And I think you're well on your way. But tell well, us. first, I'd have to get some sort of publicist, or I'd have to get better at social media for anyone to know what I'm doing in the world. Because I do a lot. I have great impact. My team's amazing. And no one really knows about it outside of the world in which I work. Um, I would love if it's, I'd love my legacy to be that I shifted, really, really helped shift education from a conversation about scores as the, as the only valuable assessment and, and assessment as a, shifted from that to a conversation about the whole student. And that's starting to happen with this big focus on social emotional learning, which we also have to disguise. You can't teach kids, hey, today we're gonna address your trauma. Mm -mm. What? No. So I hope my legacy is that I that I helped that I helped change the education system by innovating it. Yeah. with supplemental everything that made teachers want to stick around yeah. and love what they do, made students feel more interested in learning what they need to learn to become more like more like us. Yeah, We, we want to raise our kids to want that teacher's job one day. We want to raise our kids to oh, be you. We want to raise the teacher's salary and then they'll really want the job. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, think I about agree. it. If kids today... By the time they are teachers, they they will demand. Yeah, you know they're they're, they're a different bunch. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. High schoolers now are going to get to that age and be like, oh. "I'm not working for less than six figures." That's right. That's right, right now, you have 25 year olds who graduate college and are offered jobs at 125 thousand dollars a year before they graduate. I know. I know. So, so let's hope they're going to make teacher salaries. Uh, yeah, let's let's hope. I'm going to we'll put that out. There's so much more to talk about. I can know. Part two. We can do a part two. We can do a part two. People should know what a what a crappy CEO I've been at times. They should know how I, who funded my company and why. There's so but, much to share. But I love that you said that because everyone is flawed. Everyone I mean, the best leaders are the vulnerable ones and the the ones who recognize they're not, they don't know everything. Nobody does. And if you go into any role thinking, you know, everything, first of all, you're deeply overqualified, but second of all, no one can relate to you. So by saying, I don't have all the answers, you're making yourself accessible to the masses. So I love that about you. Awesome. Okay, so how can people find you and write okay. So in social media, I have I have like a private Facebook world that has like maybe 3500 people, but it's not a public place. It's where it's where like I want the people I actually know, sure. I know to know what's going on in my world and where I'm safe in all honesty to kind of put out whatever I want. It's for old people type Facebook. I, I have that too. So yeah. Yeah. Because I, sometimes women like us have to, there are places where I can say and think and feel at the same time mm-hmm. and other places where it would not be appreciated. So I have 
Twitter, I think on, but I never tweet. I never tweet. So even though I have most people there, I don't do it. Your LinkedIn, we're going to spiff up. What's the website for Right Brain Books? So my my website is rightbrainworld.com or rightbrainbooks.com. Doesn't matter. My Instagram is my full name, Meredith Scott Lynn. Perfect. Um, Again, I I suck at it. But when I post on Facebook, it automatically goes to Instagram. Someone's going to teach me how to do it in the reverse. I know. <laughs> um, and then what else is there? Oh, I don't have TikTok. I don't. That's I don't okay. That's that. okay. So that's it. That's enough. That's enough. We've got and enough. Facebook, I'm, I'm Meredith Scott Lynn official or something like that. I don't even know. Don't but worry. It's, this it's is my enough. Full name. It's my this full name. Enough. Meredith, this was such a joy. I'm so happy that you were a guest on the show. Thank you for sharing your incredible story and a little piece of it. Brevity is not my strong suit. <laughs> That's okay. Brevity's not my strong. But see, this inspires me. Good. So I think we should do a part two. Okay. Okay. I think so. Lindsay, love you back. And I. Hope and if you anyone out there is an educator or knows or has their kids in school and wants. To know about our English language arts, English language development, SEL literacy curriculum, it's off the chain, pre-K through 12. Watch our videos. Call me. If you call, right brain, it rings my cell phone. It goes to her. That's right. It goes to my cell phone because I had everything go to my cell when lockdown hit, and I kind of like it. So reach out, and our email, everything's on the site, but if you call, I'll answer. That's the truth. And- if anyone out there wants to be a part of Right Brain, we might, we might at some point do another round. I might, I might decide to raise more money to blow up a little faster with more people. If anyone's interested, they can find me too. All right. Well, this is perfect. Everyone know, now knows how to find you. Guys, if you like this episode, please subscribe to the YouTube channel and definitely go check out Right Brain, Bright Brain World, rightbrainbooks.com. Meredith, I adore you. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Heartbeat for Hire. Stay tuned for more. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Heartbeat for Hire podcast. If you liked what you heard, please consider leaving a five-star review on Spotify or Apple and subscribe to my YouTube channel. I would be ever so grateful. I hope you found it useful. Have a wonderful day.